Well, first week of the new year, great time for us to have a look at where we're going, what we're doing, and uh, I want to just speak to you something that God put on my heart, uh, just uh, as a theme, as a word, just to get your attention for this year. And the word was, because every year I look to the Lord for some kind of word, something simple that uh, is on His heart for us, and this is the word He put in my heart some months ago, advance advance. You find in Numbers chapter uh, 10, it tells us there in verse uh, 5, talks about they made uh, two silver trumpets. The silver trumpets are a picture for us of the prophetic voice, God speaking. And in the Old Testament, the people of God were led by the Holy Spirit. They were led literally by a visible, tangible cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. They were led. So sometimes they would camp in an area, sometimes two days, sometimes two weeks, sometimes longer, and then the cloud would lift up, and it was evident that God was wanting them to move. And when the time came when the cloud began to move, then they took out these two trumpets, and the trumpets were used to activate the people of God. And so it says in verse 5, it says, when you sound the advance. And uh, what they used to do was they had different sounds for different activities. If they wanted to call leaders together, they had one sound for that. If they wanted the people of God to advance, they had another sound for that. If they wanted the people of God to go to war and to go to war, when you, verse 9, when you go to war against your enemy, you'll sound an alarm. So there were different sounds. So this particular one was the sound advance. In other words, pick up and pull up your stakes, pack up your tent, begin to move forward from the position you're currently occupying. And I felt the Lord put on my heart for this year, for every one of us, individually and corporately, that God is saying advance. Advance means a number of things, that it means no passivity. You can't be passive if you're going to advance. It means no settling down. It means no going back. It means no standing still. If we are going to advance, we're not going to stand still. So you can't occupy the same piece of ground you occupied last year. If you're going to advance in any area of your life, you must make a decision to let go of old things and places you've camped and make a decision to move forward and take new ground. And so there are three things really that this word advance means. And every one of these are things to think about for our lives this year. Number one, it means to make progress forward, to make progress forward. So this year, God wants every one of us to make progress in our lives. Don't stay where you are. Don't stay in the same problems. Don't stay in the same limitations. It's time to make progress. Progress means the end of the year, you look back and you can see changes have been made. You can see you made progress with your finance, progress in your spiritual life, progress in your relationships, progress and influence with us. So the first meaning is to progress forward, increase. Second one is to promote or raise you to a higher rank. I like that one. That's a good one. To lift you up. So to advance someone is to lift them to a higher level. God wants to lift us to a different level of operating spiritually. Wants to lift your faith level up so you're able to walk in the Spirit and function in ways you haven't functioned before. That won't just happen by accident. It'll happen if you intentionally plan 
and then start to do some things this year you didn't do last year. And thirdly, it means to move actively against entrenched enemy positions. Now that one, there's a good one. To move actively against entrenched enemy positions. Many people who'd be sitting here today, and possibly in some respects corporately, there will be experiencing resistance that stops you moving forward, and behind that resistance are unseen spiritual forces. Sometimes, and perhaps if you look over your life, you see you seem to be in the same cycle, and you can't seem to break out of it. There are patterns behind that, and there are spiritual forces resisting you. So to advance means to make progress. To advance means come up to a different level of functioning. To advance means that you begin to be aggressive in assaulting the enemy who has stolen from you. And if you need to break through in areas of your life, you're assaulting demons which hinder you. And if you're free in those areas of your life, now you're looking at spiritual warfare to bring others into blessing. During this year, I'll be sharing with you about the apostolic mandate to the church, about our metron, the areas God has given us to invade and to begin to influence. We'll look about the areas of authority and spiritual authority and what you do to bring about a movement of the Holy Spirit in your workplace, in your family, in the environment around you. So we want to advance. There'll be no advance unless you make a decision and put in the effort. So we can't remain passive. We can't remain passive. So the first thing then in advancing is we must break out of passivity. We shared something on that last week, but let me just add a little bit to it this, this time. I want to add a couple of things to get you thinking, because I've had that sitting on my mind thinking about how passive many people are. And uh, there's a spirit of passivity is over the Western church. Much of the Western church is extremely passive. You go into a meeting, there's very little energy, very little life, very little vitality of the Holy Spirit. You look at many Christians, and they're, they're obviously there's no energy, vitality around them. Something is missing. And part of the problem is a spirit of passivity is sat on them. When a spirit of passivity gets on a person, they become passive. They shut down. Not vital and vibrant and alive. They become lethargic. Prayer life diminishes. They become unresponsive to things around them, unresponsive to the Holy Spirit. Uh, they become, uh, tend to yield to whatever happens and give into it when they should be standing up and pushing against it. And perhaps there's some things in your life and you've just rolled over and let it roll over you instead of standing up and saying, this isn't God's plan. This isn't what God wants for me. I need to do something to push against it. So there's, it's, it's never something... Passivity is something that robs us of the blessings God has intended to us. Uh, it means to not participate. So we can pray all you like, but at the end, God requires that you participate in the answer because He has called every one of us to be His representatives in the earth. Nothing's going to happen unless we do something. You've got to realize that. You say, well, why doesn't God do this? Why doesn't God do that? God's saying, I put you in charge. Why aren't you doing something? Why aren't you taking the initiative? Why aren't you stepping up and believing and stretching your faith? Why aren't you praying? Why aren't you fasting? Why aren't you using the weapons of warfare? Why aren't you using what I've given you to access the realm of God so you can bring changes around you? Why are you not doing this? Why are you letting your friends go to hell and you're not contending? You've given up because it seems too hard. 
So this is what heaven is saying. Saying to advance, sound an alarm, begin to advance, move from how we've lived in the last year, move to another level. So a spirit of passivity is very closely connected to a religious spirit. Religious spirit is a spirit that sits on people so they have a form of godliness or a form of Christianity, but there's no presence of God and no power. No presence of God, no power. What we should be concerned about in our lives is the presence of God, touching and accessing His presence, experience His presence, carrying His presence, being able to know how to release His presence. Moses said the thing that will make us different is the presence of God in our life. There's a lot of good people in our community, a lot of people good good lives, and they have better lives than many Christians, but that doesn't mean they're going to heaven, doesn't mean they're right with God. What makes us different is having the presence of God in our life, flowing through our life, the anointing upon our life, having an impact. When Jesus said, these signs follow those who believe, in my name they'll cast out demons, in my name they'll heal the sick, he had in mind every believer operating in the Spirit, operating to touch the lives of those around them with presence and power. Why is it not happening? Could it be that passivity and has caused people to shut down? No, we need to stand against it, push against it, and say, in this year, I will extend my faith. When the Bible says, the manifestation of the Spirit of God is given to every man. The operating of the gifts is given to every person so they can be a builder and advancer of the kingdom of God. If you're not operating in the gifts of the Spirit, why not? Is it because you just don't know? Come to a training seminar and learn. Then you'll obey the command, which says the Spirit tells us to desire spiritual gifts. Or is it because we've become passive and shut down and no longer stirred up in faith to believe for God to move and do things? Well, think about that. So sometimes it's an issue of mindsets. We tend to think of Christianity in terms of peace and love and kindness and gentleness. These are all good things. And they're all in the Bible, and Jesus brings all of those things to us. But the Bible tells us He's not only the lamb, the Bible tells us he's also the lion of the tribe of Judah. And when you only take one aspect of what Jesus is like, you only take the gentleness, the love, the kindness, the forgiveness, the compassion. If you only take those aspects and don't flip the coin and see there's another aspect to him, you have another Jesus. You have a weak and soppy and passive gospel. Whereas the Bible says the gospel is the power of God to deliver people from demons, to break the hold of sin, to set people free from sicknesses, to give them hope and lift them up. The gospel is power to change people. Now that's more than just something gentle and nice. That's something that changes the environment that people live in. So God's wanting to stir us up, stir us up. The Bible tells us Jesus is the Prince of Peace. However, that peace will only come in the earth in the thousand-year reign. Right now, there's something else happened. I was, uh, I was uh, looking at a prophetic word that came over me in the uh, middle of the year in, uh, from Jeff Jansen, and, and this is what he said. I've been thinking about it for a little while. Now I've got to figure out what it's about. He said, you, God is moving you from Psalm 23 to Psalm 24. I thought, wow, that's nice. What does that mean? So I spent a bit of time reading Psalm 23, 
you read Psalm 23, Psalm 23 begins, you know what it begins with? The, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Beside the still waters, he restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name. It's a beautiful psalm of Jesus being our friend. So you have to start off with Jesus being your friend. You start off with him being your friend as you open your heart to him, begin to love him and serve him and develop relationship with him and learn how to obey him, you become his friend. But he has in mind that your friendship will become a partnership with him. If it's a partnership with him, then you'll begin to take on his concern, his desires, his missions. You'll begin to represent him in the earth. And so when you move from Psalm 23 to Psalm 24, you move from, in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, the love, the compassion, provision, all the blessings of God. You move into Psalm 24, it says, lift up you head, O ye gates, and be lifted up your everlasting doors, and the King of glory will come in. So now we're talking about the glory, the nature, the manifest presence and power of God. Who is this King of glory? Why, the Lord, the Lord mighty in battle. The Lord of hosts is His name. Aha. So in moving from Psalm 23 to Psalm 24, God is wanting to shift out of a mentality and out of an experience of Jesus being our shepherd friend and moving forward or going on or advancing so we begin to take on His lion-type nature and begin to start to advance his purpose, His cause in our city and area. It's moving from being gentle and receiving to being assertive and believing and bringing changes in the environment around us. Hallelujah. You're quiet about that. <laughs> See, the nature of Jesus, He is a warrior king. In uh, Revelations 5 verse 5, it's called He's Identified. In Revelation chapter 5 and verse 5, he's, rep he's represented as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Hey? He's not represented as a lamb. When he comes back, he's not come back as a lamb of God. He comes back more than that. He becomes back, he comes back as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He comes back as a mighty king. He comes back to rule over all his enemies. He comes back to chain the devil for a thousand years. But in the meantime, he's left the devil on the loose. He's left the demons on the loose. Why has he done that? So you and I can develop a little bit of lie in nature. So we can begin to grow from being a little cub who's helpless to starting to get some grit and substance and strength and beginning to start to have an influence in the region around us, the people around us. Jesus is the lion. So I've got some pictures of lions up there for you. You can pop them up if you can get them to come up. If you can get them to come up, you'll see some pictures of lions on the screen there. Just so you remember, Jesus is a lion. I love lions. Lions and eagles. Lions, they're the king. King of the, king of the animal realm. Eh? The eagles, well, they soar high and they've got great vision. So we're talking about lions. So we'll just keep some lion pictures up there for a little bit. You can see the lion pictures. And you begin to think, this is the God we serve. He is a lion. He has a lion nature. And when you got born again into the kingdom of heaven, you were born into a royal family, and you have lion inside you. Say, but if the church 
gets all into love and peace and, 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 and actually gets the gospel out of balance, it forgets that the gospel has always been advanced by men who were lion-hearted. Men who had a bit of a roar in them. The Bible says the devil prowls like a, a roaring lion, but he's not one. He is not a lion. There is only one lion. That's the lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus Christ, the God we serve. And he is the king of the beasts. He is king of kings and lord of lords. This is the God we serve. And you, church, the church of Jesus Christ needs to get a bit of lion inside them. Not lying, lion. <laughs> Need to get the lion, get the bit of a growl, eh? Okay, in Exodus now. Notice this, that God throughout the Bible reveals himself as a warrior, as a man of war, as a king. He reveals himself consistently that way. Let's have a look in Exodus 15 verse 3. It says, the Lord is a man of war. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Hey? Now, when, what caused people to say the Lord is a man of war? Well, this is Miriam, the sister of Moses, and she's saying the Lord's a man of war. Why? Because she just saw the enemies that had oppressed them for 400 years totally wiped out in a moment by the Lord. And the Lord wiped them out at the hand of a man. Now, when you're looking at these stories in the Old Testament, you have to realize that these were natural battles fought with natural weapons, but behind it there was a spirit dimension operating all the time. Angels consistently operated on behalf of Israel. Whenever you see people like the Egyptians being overthrown, the demonic powers that motivated them were overcome by angels working on behalf of God's people. God wants us to look at the Old Testament and begin to start to see the nature of the battle. When the enemies of Israel, who had oppressed them for years, tried to follow through the waters, God destroyed them all. And this is a picture for us that you and I are to have no mercy on demonic spirits, no mercy on wicked demons. We're to rise up and to deal to them and not have any mercy, not hold back in any way. Yet most of the church won't even acknowledge the presence of demons, won't even confront the issue of demons, and certainly doesn't have much power over them. Think about that. Obviously, it's a fair deception if that's taken place. In, in, uh, we saw in Psalm 24, verse 8, Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Isaiah 42, verse 13, The Lord shall go forth like a mighty, mighty man, like a man of war. Now notice how it describes this God we serve. Now the problem is, you can get so familiar coming into church, so familiar with the type of service we have, we can forget what our God is like. We need the Holy Spirit to keep revealing our God is a man of war. And He calls us to act as His representatives in the earth, to be man and woman of war, not war against people. Our battle is not against people, not aggressive against people. That is not what we're called to do. We are called to be assertive in the realm of the Spirit, to be assertive in the Spirit dimension. Yet much of the church doesn't even know how to access it, let alone flow with it. That has to change. Tell someone that has to change. You think, well, in the New Testament, were they aggressive there? You better believe it. Look at Jesus. 1 John 3 verse 8, For this purpose was the Son of God manifested 
that he might destroy the works of the devil. So when Jesus came into the earth, this is what his purpose was, to destroy something and to reveal and replace it with something else. He wanted to destroy the power the devil had over people. Wanted to destroy the grip and fear of sickness and death. Wanted to destroy the grip of poverty. Wanted to destroy the grip of oppression caused by demonic powers and sin. He came to destroy it. He came aggressively to confront the root cause of the problem and deal to it. Destroy the works of the devil and then replace it with the kingdom of heaven. Replace it with the realm of God's love and peace and joy. But you can't bring those things in unless you don't deal with the issues that are there first of all. It's wonderful, isn't it, eh? In Luke 4 verse 38, Jesus confronted aggressively demonic spirits. He shut them up and told them where to go. There was an aggression in his spirit against the demonic realm. Jesus represents for us. He tells us and reveals what the heart of the Father is. The heart of the Father is totally against demons, but He has entrusted to us the responsibility to aggressively confront them and to advance the kingdom of heaven. You've got to get a bit of grit in you. get a bit of lion. In Revelation 19 verse 11, Now out of His mouth goes a sharp sword that He should strike the nations. So Jesus will reveal Himself as a mighty soldier on a white horse with a sharp sword going out of his mouth, meaning he uses words to initiate angelic powers to do his will. Christians need to learn how to use words that disturb and shake the spirit world, remove demons, and initiate angels to begin to act on our behalf. Throughout the Bible, God always required men to step up and speak before the angelic realm began to operate and flow on their behalf. You are authorized as God's representative to speak words to change environments. If you want to change the environment around you, firstly learn to speak into it and take dominion over its spiritual atmosphere and control, then learn how to go in and do things that bring change and influence into it. So Jesus is a lion, huh? He was anointed with the Spirit of God. See, something that we often forget is that when Jesus left heaven, He left all the glory of heaven. When He came to earth, He depended on someone to empower Him. So what empowered Him to do what He did on the earth? The anointing of the Holy Ghost and a life passionately committed to the cause of the Father. The Holy Spirit works best on people passionately committed to the cause of Jesus Christ. Is there not a cause? Is there not a reason we should commit our lives to do something significant and worthwhile? In our community, is there not such a need for someone to step up that you would arise inside and say, Lord, here am I, send me. If you're the only Christian in somebody or community, you are the one God sent there. It's time to get a mentality, I have been sent to make a difference. I need to learn how to walk with God and bring Him in here and make a difference. We'll show those things through the year. How to do it. But knowing how to do it and then doing it are different things. Jesus was able to accomplish 
what he did on the earth because of the power of the Holy Ghost and the activity of angels around him. The Bible talks about that as he call, he, Jesus is called the breaker or the one who bursts out, breaks out, breaks through all the limitations. That was the kind of spirit on Jesus. That was the kind of attitude he had, and that was he was empowered to do it. But you've got to have some attitude first. In Micah 2.13, it says, The breaker will come up before them, and they will break out. Meaning, literally, to break out of limitations. Who is the breaker? It's Jesus Christ, anointed with the Holy Spirit. He will step up and give leadership, but then they. Who's they? That's us. That's the people of God. The people of God will break out. The people of God will carry an anointing that rests on people of character, attitude, and, and passionate pursuit of God, and they will break out. You need to break out in the school. You need to break out in the community. We need to break out. We need to break out of where the world wants to confine the church and where the way we've perhaps lived and operated in the past has confined us. We need to break those limitations. If they're in the mind, change the mind. If they're in the patterns and habits, change them. Whatever it is, that anointing, the Holy Ghost directs us and then empowers us to break out. Break out. Break out. It's another word for advancing. There's usually no advance unless you break out of what you've currently accepted as the normal. Isn't that true? To break out of what you've accepted as being normal. So, the breaker will break out. Now, you've got to realize this. That, that, that word breaker is the one who breaks out. Jesus is a warrior king, and now we represent him on the earth. We're called the body of we're called as representatives. We speak for him, act for him. We act on his behalf. He has authorized us to do it. Now we have to learn to accept that responsibility, accept that privilege of sonship, and stand up and begin to represent our Father and be about his business. Coming to church on Sundays is not being about our Father's business. It's about coming into the family for a feed. Being about our Father's business is fulfilling what Jesus said when he said he gave talents or pounds to people or gifts and abilities. He said, occupy till I come. Get busy. Do business. Make something happen. Wherever we go, we're called to make something happen. We're called to break out, to be the head, not the tail, to step up and step out. You say, well, I'm not that kind of personality. Well, there's a lion in you can do it. You've got to decide not to accept the limitation and do whatever it takes to break out of that limitation so that you are freer to do what God called you to do. Oh, glory to God. Here I am today. Amen. <laughs> See, we're in a royal family, and our royal family is a warrior family. And I've read the end of the book. He comes forth on a white horse, and he cleans them all up, and we rule over the whole thing. However, right now is your apprenticeship. Don't think you'll be ruling over much if you aren't doing anything now. The Bible's very clear on that, that we are qualifying ourselves for a wonderful, wonderful, unbelievable future. You're qualifying now. Today, 
is your day of growing and advancing. Today is your day of going forward. See? So the nature of our, of our God is militant. He's a warrior king. Now the nature of the mandate given to us is extremely militant. Now I'm not talking about being militant against people and being hostile to people and offensive to people unnecessarily. We're talking about having a, an attitude, a militant attitude against sin, against the powers of darkness, and being moved to engage and get involved. Be present and engaged, connected to the battle somewhere. If you're not connected to the battle somewhere, then probably you're defeated. But if we are active for the Lord, inevitably there is an area which is called the front where we're engaging in a battle to push forward, break out, break limitations. Militant means someone vigorously active in advancing a cause. So when we talk about people being militant, there's sort of something in the Christian culture that shrinks from militant Christianity. Anyone who becomes a little militant, we say they're extreme fundamentalists. And give them a label and step back from them so we can excuse a weak compromise life. Come on, think about it. Militant, someone who is aggressively involved in fulfilling a cause. You and I have the greatest cause. It is the cause of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to see that throughout the Bible, it is militant, and it was always advanced by militant people. There were no passive people ever, ever that got to get used by God. You've got to shake that off first. Get connected to God. Then he says, I can do something with you. We say, man, David, how many know David was a man after God's own heart? Okay? Now, you may not have thought, so when we say, well, what does that mean he was a man after the heart of God? Well, he loved the Lord. He played a nice guitar and he sang. And, you know, he just worshipped the Lord and loved to be in the presence of the Lord. He was a man after the heart of God. And we tend to then box it in in sweet Christianity. Okay? But actually, the Bible says he's a man after the heart of God. I have found a man who do my will. And what does that mean? It mean going out and cleaning the land out of the Philistines. It involved tacking. It involved being militant. So we say David was a man after the heart of God. Why? Because he hated what God hated, and he did something about it. God said, I like this boy. I can put up with a lot of failures in his life. I like him. He's got attitude. He's got spirit. He got my interests at stake, so I can look after his. Okay? So look, you take a look at a few examples. So I'm just going to show you now that our mandate or commission is our authorization to act, and from the Genesis to Revelation, it's extremely militant. Now, I know some will, uh, you get to start to feel yourself reacting, just even the word militant. That's because we've attached it to someone who lets a bomb off somewhere. Well, believe it, you and I are called to go and set a Holy Ghost bomb off and do a miracle in the marketplace. You'll be surprised how it'll upset people. You'll be surprised. Jesus did miracles. They hate him, want to kill him. He raised a man from the dead. They want to kill him and the guy they raised. People don't always like miracles. But God loves them, loves those who do them too. That's part of what we're called to do. In the Old Testament, Genesis 1.28. Now notice this, we're looking at the nature, the nature. The nature means 
what this is like, the, the true core of it. Now notice the nature of the original mandate, Genesis 1.28, God spoke to Adam, be fruitful, multiply, subdue, and have dominion. Subdue means you apply a superior force against an enemy and you bow him down and make him yield. That's what that means. That was the original mandate. So who's he talking about? He's not talking about beating up people. In fact, Jesus expressly forbade to have dominion over people. He said that's not the kingdom of God. That's the kingdom of the world. It's about dealing to demonic spirits and the spirit realm that rules over and holds people bound and blinded and in bondage, it means learning how to step up into the realm of the spirit and bring from heaven into the earth answers to problems. Reshaping what's around you by the word and spirit of God. Oh, that's glorious, isn't it, eh? Hey? So we have no mandate to conquer people or dominate them. We have a mandate to deal to the spirit realm. And the Old Testament is full of examples of people who got the message. Now, when you read the book of Heroes of Faith, it's amazing. you find they were all fighters. In the Old Testament, they fought natural battles against the enemies of the Lord. You have to realize the enemies of the Lord were demonized people, activated by demons, uh, a culture full of, of adultery, idolatry, incest, all kinds of child sacrifice. They were perverted. And there was no remedy of the blood of Jesus Christ to deliver them. All that was available was judgment. Now, in this, in this season, in this part of the church age, there's the blood of Jesus Christ to forgive people, to heal people, to set people free. So we're not trying to kill anyone now. You're glad to hear that, eh? So notice this in Judges 14, verse 4. Note, this is a militant attitude. Samson sought occasion to have a fight. Now, what about that? Samson went about looking for a chance to pick a fight with the Philistines who had ruled over the land. And notice this, it says, this was of God to do it. So what's it tell you about God? God's into picking a fight with his enemies. And he likes people who join in with him and pick a fight with his enemies. Christians tend to back off picking a fight with the devil Usually the reason is because we're afraid and we've got a wrong view of him and how powerful he is, just ignorance, or because our life's so compromised if we try and pick a fight, we'll get beaten up because we've got so much sin going on. But God's looking for people who step up and say, I get my life cleaned up so I can make a difference. Here's another one, 1 Samuel 14 verse 1, Jonathan. You've got to remember that Saul is sitting under a tree, the Philistines are all over the country, and Jonathan, a young man, grabs one of the swords, half of the armor, and he says, Let's go up and show ourselves the Philistines, see what God will do. In other words, we say, I'm not sitting around here doing nothing. Let's go up and pick a fight. That's not bad, is it? Get a bit shocked. Are you going to find this all the way through the Bible? Let's go up and pick a fight with the devil. I like that. The Holy Ghost will lead you to the fight. You don't have to go pick any of your own. He'll lead you to them. 1 Samuel 17 verse 48, David hastened and ran towards the army to meet Goliath. Now, that's, that's ready to pick a fight. He went down there and said, what's going on here? Giant, how long has he been doing that? 40 days. Give me a go. It's not, no one asked him to. He's got a militant spirit. No wonder God said, oh, ho, 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 ho. Oh, that David's a man after my own heart. He'll go down and pick a fight when there's something needs to be fought. The church in the West don't want to pick a fight with anyone. 
wants to actually be respectable, be politically correct, and emasculated by a religious spirit. But actually, you have to step up in prayer and step up in passion and step up in that desire. We want to make a difference. And if you want to make a difference, someone is going to get upset. You'll rock their world. Inevitably, and if it's a religious thing, you'll rock it really big time. <laughs> now, here's another one. In 2 Kings chapter 9 and verse 22, Jehu has been anointed by Elijah, and Jehu's going to clean up Jezebel, who's manipulated by witchcraft the whole nation into bondage. And God hates it. So, so Elijah, anoints, Elijah anoints Jehu, and Jehu gets into his chariot, and he rides furiously, like some people drive. And, uh, and they looked at the chariot, and they saw it being driven furiously. That's how they recognized who was driving. It must be Jehu. He drives like that. And that tells you something about him, doesn't it? He was a speed freak. We got in a chariot? Let's see how fast this thing can go. See? Smoking. Look at the clouds of dust behind me. See, see, that's the kind of attitude he had him. And as he goes towards Jezebel, he's got one thing in his mind. I'm going to get rid of this enemy of Israel and enemy of the Lord once and for all. So they send someone out. Is it peace? He said, shut up and get behind me. Someone else came in and said, is it peace? And get behind me. Someone else said, is it peace? He said, what peace as long as Jezebel and her witchcrafts are there? Get behind me. Then the guy took off. So he just drew his, his bow and arrow at full thing and poof, killed him. Then he gets, to the, he gets to where Jezebel is, and she starts to accuse him and mock him and belittle him. And he sees a couple of eunuchs. Eunuchs are men who have become passive. Passive. No interest in them things anymore. Something's been done to them. Now they've got the fire. And this is the interesting thing. Jehu looked up, and he saw Jezebel and a couple of eunuchs hanging around her. Whenever you get around a spirit of witchcraft, you'll end up a spiritual eunuch with no grunt and energy and effort to do something. Jehu was apostolic, and he spoke, who's going to help me? Two eunuchs said, okay, count us in. And immediately they just threw her out the window. That was it. It was all over. The passive man rose up and did something that no one had dared to do before because they were challenged by an assertive apostolic spirit on Jehu. That's why you've got to get... You've got to be listening to messages that challenge you to step up. You just get sweet messages. You'll feel good. You won't, you'll stay, you'll stay a eunuch, spiritually speaking. You know. ah, okay, let's come on, better move on and finish this. So that's the Old Testament, a natural battle. Now the New Testament, it's also, the mandate is again still militant. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven suffers violent, the violent are pressing in by force. That word violent means someone who is pushy, assertive, exercises force. So he said to get miracles, to get heaven to come to earth, you've got to have attitude. Can't just pray a little bit, oh, Jesus, if it's your will, you can do that. Hey, that's eunuch stuff. That doesn't do anything. It's eunuch prayers. It's sort of limp. Yeah, there's no energy in life in them, yeah. Don't get any results. Dead. Please, Jesus. They won't do it. 
He said the kingdom of heaven is, suffers violence. In other words, you've got to seize. You've got to see that there's a prize for you, and you press in and take it. Healings, it requires to be assertive, to believe God and push your doubts back. See, now we enter into the New Testament. Now we're entering to spiritual realities. Now we're looking at there's a sickness on the earth and there's a miracle from heaven. I've got to be assertive in my faith to bring it from heaven to earth. I've got to get assertive in praying. Learn how to pray strongly and how to build my faith. Luke 10 verse 19, I give you authority to tread on serpents, scorpions, and all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall at any means harm you. So what did Jesus give us as his disciples? The legal right to speak and act and to do harm to the devil. He said, I've authorized you to do it. So you don't have to ask permission anymore. Wherever you find a demon, go beat him up. That's true. Wherever you find one, go beat him up. Tread on him. Tread him underfoot. Serpents and scorpions. Interesting, that's written in the Word of God, isn't that right? If you study the constellations, you'll see there's two constellations where they have a picture of someone treading on a scorpion or wrestling with a wild serpent. It's in the heavens and it's in the Word of God. Because it's our destiny to do it. It's what you were born for. If Jesus didn't want you to do it, he wouldn't have given you authority to do it. When he gave you authority, he said, I want you to speak and act on my behalf. I'm not going to do this. I've done my part. I've broken the power of the devil at the cross. And now I've authorized you again to act like Adam was as my legal mouthpiece and representative and to bring order back into the earth to invade every part of the culture and begin to bring heaven to earth and shift it. That is what we're called to do. Jesus is authorized to do it. He's authorized us to do it. Hey, you all got quiet on this. Uh, you all got real quiet. Hey, listen, you can't be passive and win. You can't be passive and win. There's a story in 1 Samuel. I won't go into it, but let me just, I just want to finish up. There's a story in 1 Samuel chapter 11. And there's a group of people, Jabez Gilead, uh, Gilead, and Nahash the Ammonite comes and surrounds them. That's, uh, Nahash means the serpents. This is a picture of the devil coming in and surrounding you and oppressing you. And you have a bad Monday and you've got a bad dog day and, uh, and you're, you're oppressed and you're heavy. There's troubles, you're difficult, he's pressing all around. And so they decide, oh, we don't want to fight. So they say, what we'll do is we'll make a deal. De leave us alone. What will it take for you to just leave us alone? And he says, this is what it'll take. If you want me to leave you alone, I'm going to come and I'm going to gouge out your right eye so you can't fight any more battles and you'll be continually in a state of reproach and shame and blasphemy against God. Not bad, is it? The high cost of compromise. See, the right eye, you had a shield up. You looked around it with your right eye. So if you lost your right eye, <laughs> stick your head right out like that. Get knocked off real quick. Come on. So what he wanted to do was to stop them being able to fight. The cost of compromise is you can't fight. You have no authority and spiritual power. And the consequence is the devil is able to look. And he's able to go before God and say, look at this. You said you were going to raise him up. You prophesied he was going to do this. She was going to do that. Now look at them defeated. So much for your heroes. That's what goes on in the spirit world. Every time a Christian falls, the devil comes before God 
to laugh at the defeat of one of God's heroes. There may be many of God's heroes here today, passive, defeated, and the devil's laughing over you, and you stopped fighting a long time ago. This would be a great day to repent because we can be forgiven of our sins and our failures, and when we're forgiven, then they're removed. There's no record of them, and you and I can step up again, come back into that place near the throne of God, and begin to start to take our rightful place as sons and daughters and begin to move with the Holy Ghost. We can do it. That'll be what you need to do. Let me just finish with this. God's word for us is advance. In Exodus 15, Moses was told by God, he said, hey, listen, we've got mountains on the left, mountains on the right. The enemy's chasing us. There's a sea in front of it. Let's stop and have a prayer meeting. And Moses, God said, stop all this praying. Advance. Tell everyone, move forward. But there's a sea there. He said, you lift your rod up. You lift the authority that's invested in you over it, and you see what I do to make a way for you to go through where there is no way. But tell them, advance. Tell them, advance. Don't wait till you see the waters open. Tell them to advance by faith and lift the authority I've given to you so the waters part and you make a way where there was no way. This year is a year of discovering and lifting the authority of God in your life, lifting the sword of the Lord, which is the Word of God, and begin to discover that where there's been obstacles and blocks, God can make a way for you. But you have to decide, I will advance. I will lift up my rod, the Word of God, and believe and believe for His power to make a way for me. It's time, church, to do it. That's what I felt God put on my heart for us for this year. It's time for us to advance, 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 advance. In the New Testament, as the church advanced with miracles, signs, and wonders, they said, what are, how come these guys are like that? Where's this boldness come from? And others said, we know where this boldness, we know where this authority, we know where this has come from. They have been with Jesus. Jesus. 